0: and listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources, because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hello, everyone. Uh, a couple of announcements this week. Firstly, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have been sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And of course, a special welcome to those of you who are new to the Take On Board community. We're not just a podcast, we're a thriving, engaged community who love talking all things governance. So feel free to join us at an event or over in the Take On Board Facebook group. Events. So let me tell you about the next one. The next Take On Board event is a book club where we'll be discussing leaders who ask, using strategies to connect deeply lead fearlessly and achieve results that transform. It's written by the fabulous Corinne Armour, who you can also hear in episode 33. Super early bird pricing is on until the 30th of August. So there's a link in the show notes as well as a link to Corinne's episode. And if you're out walking, feel free to go to the website and you'll find all the links there. Last but not least, in announcements for this week, a shout out to the fabulous Mary Muirhead, for her review of the podcast. She says, I look forward to the Take On Board podcast every week and love hearing from all the diverse women leaders who share their governance journeys. Helia brings out the best in all her podcasters and her listeners and community are drawn together to raise each other up to make the world a better place. I've learnt so much. When we are often time poor, you can be sure that each episode is tight and direct so you can fit it into your week. Thanks, Helia. Well, thank you, Mary, and thank you to everybody else who, as I say, has been listening, sharing and engaging. Uh, Now, this week, you'll be hearing from Julia Cookson, and again, I know you're going to love what she has to say, so let's get on with the show, shall we? Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. I'd like to start by acknowledging that I am recording on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to Elders past, present and future. I also acknowledge and respect the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practice of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And I extend that respect to any First Nations people we might have here with us today. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging, and let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks, and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board, and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Julia Cookson about board dynamics and culture. First, let me tell you about Julia. Julia is on the boards of Connect Health and she's the chair of Project Respect. She was formerly on the board of Lawn Community Health. Julia has a portfolio career. Her revenue streams include interim executive roles, advisory work and directorships across government, not-for-profits and community services. She started her career in human resources and has built out across finance, governance and risk and guiding businesses through complex change. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Julia.
1: Thank you so much, Alia. It's lovely to be here.
0: It's So awesome to have you. As always, I really want to talk about board dynamics and culture, but first, I want to dig a little bit deeper about you. Can you tell me a story about young Julia that tells us a bit about how you got to where you
1: are today? I can. I was asked that quite recently. I was asked what my earliest memory was. And it was so interesting because it shows a real pattern. I was around two and I remember being in my parents' veggie garden and it was summer, I think. And I can remember being absolutely captivated by the white cabbage butterflies that were, you know, scooting around. And I registered that butterflies are actually in my website and my logo. And I think I use them to represent the growth phases in the business, you know, transition and transformation and development, that metamorphosis. Because all my work is about change and metamorphosis. So it's sort of, I guess, maybe they've followed me all through my life. It's about taking people on a progressive journey uh, to a new future. I wondered whether that was a coincidence. Mm -hmm. What do you reckon? (laughs) My first memory, I think, is about being curious, which turns into a talent for, you know, transition and growth. And I wouldn't have known that unless I'd been asked that question last week. What a
0: fantastic question. What was what was the context in which you were asked that question, just out of interest?
1: Well, it was funny because I was introduced to this woman who is doing some work in a completely interesting area, a somatic experience, and I hadn't met her before. And, and that was her first question she asked me. Mm. <laughs> I thought... Oh, there's a good one. So interesting. And, yeah,
0: I love that. So the butterfly, change, metamorphosis, curiosity. Yeah, development, you know, going through development phases. Fantastic. Oh, I'm going to have to ponder that, what my earliest memory is as well. It's not coming to me clearly what what it was, so I'll have to ponder that a little bit. Oh, interesting. Thank you. Okay, well, then you know, let's use some of that curiosity and interest in change and metamorphosis, thinking about board dynamics and board culture. So you're the chair of Project Respect. Actually, maybe first tell us what Project Respect is and then maybe as the chair tell us what your role is and, and what you've done uh, in building that board culture.
1: That's really good because I think Project Respect has gone through its own development phases. It's about 25 years old now. As an organisation, it provides support services to women who are in the sex industry, so sex workers. The focus is moving towards women who find themselves trafficked or in modern slavery. Mm -hmm. And, And so they are the most vulnerable. They are largely called workers not necessarily, but largely are, and may have questionable visa status, homeless, financial difficulties, um, health problems, and they can't access our systems that well. So we're the sort of, I guess, the one-stop shop to to, um, triage them into other support services. Uh, And we do a lot of research as well in this area. So... It's a small organisation, and I was appointed as their incoming chair last November, I think, November 2021. Mm-hmm. Mm. Congratulations. Thank you. Were you on the board previously? or you no. joined the
0: board as the chair
1: oh interesting
0: okay talk me through that
1: no not at all and I was introduced to the organization and this is how it happens isn't it you know someone who knows someone who introduces you in so we went through a whole interview process and their their former chair um, was stepping away to do other things so the directors were largely an established group already there were two new directors and then me as a chair and at the time we had a fantastic um, interim CEO, Liz Billings, who was holding the the fort through lockdowns, you know, really good operator in that space. But we needed to find a new CEO too. So me as the chair and our CEO, um, Carolyn Gowers, both new. Okay. So it's
0: interesting. The organisations I've chaired i have always come in as the new chair as well. And it's always fascinating for me. Yeah. You know, you walk in. You sit in your first board meeting, you're like, God, I haven't been to one of these board meetings before. I wonder how they operate. Oh, well, let's just get on with it and do it how I think I would normally do it. So tell me, what was your experience of that? And, it, you know, if we're thinking about culture in the boardroom, you're new to the culture. So you're learning the culture at the same time as you're kind of guiding, I guess, for want of a better word. So talk me through what happened there.
1: Well, look, I think I can draw back on my um, experience of chairing inside organisations as a as an executive. You know, that's where you cut your teeth. Um, and then I've had uh, I'm going to say four years chairing finance and audit for Connect Health, and I've been really lucky there because it's a very well governed community health business. So you you get to see people in action, and it's um, it's a good way of learning. For me, having a background in human resources and culture and change helps as well, because you really attune to the nuances and everybody's way of operating. And so, I'm quite used to dealing with new group dynamics. And being an interim exec, too, I'm really used to going into somewhere that's new and novel and having to hit the ground running and make, build rapport quite fast and get a track record going fast. So, you know. It didn't phase me and it was actually quite nice just to um, to meet them in a, uh, a through the recruitment process because everybody on the board actually met with me. It was a long process. So by the time we had the first meeting, we were all sort of known quantities, even though we'd never, I still haven't physically met some of them. It's been over Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've we've tried, we've yeah. tried multiple times, <laughs> but you know. We haven't all physically met, yeah.
0: That's the world we live in now, so it's building relationships virtually.
1: Okay. That's right. But to me, it's been really important to um, get that right balance between the skills on the board and the sort of interpersonal chemistry. That Getting that right is really vital. So, you know, let's not talk about culture in the board so much as the chemistry in the board because that actually shapes the, the style and tone. For me, the first step in getting myself established and also the new um, directors in was to get them into the field as soon as possible so that they understood what Project Respect was because we're all professional women in the largely in in commerce and none of us have had really direct experience with sex work or one has but um, not as a worker herself so You know, for us, it's actually really been important to um, get in the field as soon as possible. And so between lockdowns, the directors got together with the staff and some clients and we've got an advisory group. And we had a shared discussion about their experiences through COVID. We have to be really careful because some people, some of our clients are, are, you know, quite reticent about having their faces Available to us. So it was so successful. And we looked at everything from their angle. So, working in sex work through that time, I mean, the issues that they had were largely around money, housing, health, visa status, so on. A lot of our international students that didn't have access to any financial support were forced Mm -hmm. into doing sex work, which was Mm -hmm. devastating for me because some of them were about the age of my daughter. That was criminal that we just don't provide support in a sufficient way. So that gets on to the next topic I I wanted to raise with you. I was shocked when I got in there to learn that this is a billion-dollar industry in Australia. So let's not kid ourselves that it happens overseas. It happens here. And we've got huge numbers of trafficking and our Modern Slavery Act, which interfaces, it requires commerce to find or eradicate slavery from their supply chain. But if you do find it, there's no funding for anybody that's caught up in that. There's no support services necessarily. So it's just, it's a, it's a totally missing gap in our um, area. You know, for our clients, um, is completely missing from the state and the national family violence plans. Mm -hmm. which the policy developers had no idea about until we raised it with them this year and Mm -hmm. are doing a bit of a scramble to to correct that. So the issue is that with the focus in our sector has been on decriminalisation of sex work, which has a very strong health focus. Mm -hmm. And we've got some powerful lobby groups within the sector who want to ensure that sex work is a legitimised profession which is fine, they can, but that's not our client group. Our mm. client group are actually sex workers who don't want to be mm. or if they do choose to be in the end, have to have their particular needs met in a way that other support services don't. So, yeah, it was it was really important to, to meet them and see the scale of the issues that were facing them. Um, and how Project Respects Work supports them and and how we as a board support and build um, and bonds with our, our staff and our client group. And that really laid the groundwork. That session laid the groundwork for our strategic planning day that came about two months later. And what became really clear was our purpose our organisational purpose builds our chemistry. We're all volunteers and we're there because we really believe in what the organisation does and we're really passionate about advocating for sex work to be included in, in the funding models as a specific funding chain. So that's what um, started the ball rolling. And I think next um, we were looking at the chemistry is what makes our board greater than each of us individually, because each individual is actually a really talented professional. Uh, but alone, we're not, we're we're all smart women, but combined we're actually kicking goals to get this business back into the place it belongs, advocating in a targeted way, especially rebuilding our research into trafficking and modern slavery so we can actually feed into um, the policy advice that is given. So I guess, you know, that's meant repositioning project respect. It had lost its way strategically because it was chasing the funding rather than deciding that the funding needed to come for, for yeah. the specific needs.
0: Purpose followed funding rather than the yeah. other way around. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And yeah. so we're, we're hauling it back on track. Mm-hmm. Now, as a chair, I think I have a really unique role in, in creating this chemistry. It certainly helps to have a strong background in HR. But I, I do this by utilising the director's different strengths. So, for example, and I've got little labels for this.
0: I lo- You mentioned these earlier and I would love you to share them because I love them.
1: Yeah, but I don't know where they come from. I'm, I'm sure they're from a model that I've used in the past and I can't remember. I can sort of put them into four categories, like the pioneer, the guardian angel, the drivers, and the integrators. Now, our deputy chair is our pioneer, so she looks for ideas and opportunities to raise funds and connect with other organisations and to create joint funding applications with other providers so we get that joined-up thinking that everybody loves. Our treasurer is our guardian angel. Patricia brings a lot of rigour and order to our financial discussions. And then we have our drivers, and they are our technical, detailed, direct thinkers. So they want to know what's going on and exactly why. And finally, our integrators, and they are the glue that holds us all together. They value the connections between the directors. They act to make sure that we build in a social time into our year so that we really get to know each other personally. And that's been amazing. So that chemistry is really our tone at the top. I guess it leads into the dynamic I have now with the new CEO.
0: Actually, tell us about that in a moment. I just want to know, what are you, Julia? Are you a pioneer, an integrator,
1: guardian angel, or what was the other one? Driver? Driver. Oh, I'm so not a driver. No, I would say I'm a a combination of a pioneer and an integrator, but more strongly the integrator. So Mm -hmm. I look at the issues and say now who do I know in my network and who knows who and how am I going to open some doors and and how are we going to go and and knock on doors and say oi, we need some funding for this did you know this so I like to sort of that's my job yeah Uh, and and I guess given what I do professionally Mm -hmm. that's my stock and trade isn't it yeah talking myself into things (laughs) Okay, so you've got, you know,
0: you've built this culture and the team, I love it, of all of the different characters in the boardroom, and you just started by saying that that also influences the relationship that you have with the chair, oh, with the chair, with the CEO. Talk me through that.
1: Well, you know, my role as the chair is to create the atmosphere that I think we need in this type of organization, which is about respect and diversity respectful diversity actually Mm. so that the ceo knows that the boardroom is a really safe place for her Mm -hmm. and that we can be transparent because that's really critical in this work we're dealing with some very really traumatized people and some really difficult situations so we need to create safe place not only for the staff and for the ceo As well as our clients. So, my relationship with our CEO is essential for how the board performs, but also how the organisation performs. And um, I think we have a unique relationship, not just Carolyn and I, I, I'm not talking about us, but I'm talking about the chair and the CEO relationships really unique compared to the relationship with the rest of the board. But it has to be really strongly anchored in mutual trust and respect. Mm And I came into a fully functioning board. As I said, our CEO at the time when I joined was the, uh, it was Liz Billings, our interim CEO, and she'd done a really excellent job stabilising us through the rocky period of COVID lockdowns and, oh, my goodness.
0: I'm smiling, Riley, because Liz Billings was the interim CEO of an organisation I was formerly on the board oh, of as well at YWCA Victoria. So, yes,
1: I... I know
0: the power of Liz
1: Billings. (laughs) Yeah, she's great. I I really loved working with her. Uh, And she had, you know, really kept the um, home fires burning while we were doing COVID lockdowns, brothel outreach in the middle of all of this. And oh, yeah. And just, you know, securing the staff and keeping everybody all nice and happy. I mean, she gave the board an opportunity to get some breathing space to secure our our wonderful new CEO, Carolyn Gowers. So Carolyn has come from family life. And so there's a nice intersection between what we do and what she is used to. But she and I have had to find our groove and build confidence in our new roles quite quickly and, and sort of at the same time. So Carolyn and I talk every week on a Monday night, usually while we're driving home and we also talk before each meeting um, to run through the detail of what the sort of decisions and and key points of the discussions are that we want and how that information is going to be presented. We also talk about who we should be approaching in the federal and state government. We get our target list each week and um, we want to focus on our research and advocacy for funding for our community. So we look at, are we going to chase a grant or are we going to go for, you know, a longer term funding stream or are we actually going to start getting independent revenue coming through? So these are the things that we mull around and who, which conferences she wants to go to and who's going to be there and how we're going to um, leverage the strengths off that. And there's currently nothing much other than um, decrim dollars and health related dollars for, for this area. There's nothing around trafficking, housing, financial crisis, pathways to employment, child services, for our etc. for our cohort. So that's what we spend our time mulling over. But my style as a chair is to conduct, not direct. I'm not directive. We're looking, you know, we're really as a board looking to reposition project respect. There are other providers that, do the support services for sex workers who are not trafficked really well so we're the only ones in australia that do this which border security the federal police the vic police you know they all really value our contribution it's a shocker, isn't it that there's only one tiny little organization doing this in australia Mm. There are other agencies that have a a team doing looking at the same thing that we interface with, but only us doing the specialist work. So we are looking to grow um, our revenue, to add new services, and to do that we all need to look for opportunities on the board, not just the CEO.
0: And not just the pioneers. (laughs)
1: no because the pioneers get all excited about everything it's the uh, it's the drivers that need to haul us back and go yeah but how would that work
0: Mm, interesting
1: and if we do do that grant this is where you know our guardian angel looks at it and goes but yes but if we do do that grant is that going to eradicate other areas of revenue Mm, yes (laughs) so you know having those little alternate lenses that everybody looks through that's that's a beautiful thing it's a really unique experience too I think to work with an entirely female board Mm -hmm. and the dynamic is extremely different yes (laughs) it's a bit more um I actually can I say I think that the performance expectations we have of each other are much higher (laughs) we hold each other to a uh, to a higher standard (laughs) but the the um, conversations are a bit more like you might get at, um, you know, the school fundraiser. (laughs) I don't mean to downplay it, but it's, you know, how are the kids and what are you doing and, you know, how's work and all that sort of the social glue that holds us all together gets discussed and then we get into the business.
0: Yes. My first two boards, because it was YWCA Victoria and Social Housing Victoria were both all-women boards. And then the third board that I turned up to, I'm like, oh, that's right, men are allowed to be board directors too, aren't they? I'd kind of, I'd just never been in a boardroom with men as directors. they reported to board, but it, it was very, yeah, it's an interesting realisation.
1: Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it is quite interesting. I've reported in as an executive to all male boards. Yes. And, yeah, it's a bit like an inquisition sometimes, but ours is an inquisition in a... I don't know. I would say a less direct way. We get to the devil in the detail really well, but you don't know that you've actually done it. Mm.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm interested because you're other board, so you're the chair of Project Respect, but you're also on the board of Connect Health. What are your observations about the differences in culture between those two organisations? Or chemistry, I think you said. What are your observations about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, chemistry. Well, they're very different businesses in that, they they cross over their health and social support. So that's what they have in common. Mm. Um, Project Respect is tiny. You know, we've got... I've you know less than 12 staff whereas Connect Health is much much bigger I think it's close Mm. to 200. We've got the same quality control clinical safety governance issues same funding pools same everything so that's not the difference. I think the difference is that at Connect Health we have a company secretary who's who's an amazing company secretary in terms of keeping Mm. everything beautifully flowing work plans beautifully done minutes you know agendas da, 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 and is employed to do that whereas at project respect and we're all volunteers in both places largely but the at project respect the difference is that Everybody on the board is working full time as well. They might mm. be consulting in places like EY or PWC or whatever. They're all professional. Yes. Um, so we're time poor. Mm. Whereas and we have to have our meetings out of work hours. So mm. it's at the end of the day, and and sometimes we acknowledge that we are a bit frazzled. Yes. And so the meetings have to be kept to a the minimum time so we can get decisions done. With connect health finance and audit we have to have in the morning because I need to get to work but Mm -hmm. most of the um directors are retired Mm. or semi-retired you know they might do work but it's at their own discretion and pace Mm -hmm. it makes a huge difference in how everybody turns up to the meeting Mm -hmm. At Connect Health, I get teased and uh, teasy complaints about, oh, it's too early, you know, 8 o'clock, it's too early to start. (laughs) I think, yeah, but, you know, I'll be going to at least 10.30 tonight. So, (laughs) yes, get me while I'm fresh. (laughs)
0: Again, it's interesting, my first board again, YWCA, we met in the evenings, the second board that I was reporting to, I just assumed because it was also a not-for-profit, you know, oh, we meet on whatever, the 17th of August. I just assumed it would be in the evening and then it's like, oh, you meet during the day.
1: Oh, okay. I just hadn't expected that. Interesting. And I think also because we've got a level of professional maturity, if you like, on the Connect Health Board that we haven't Mm -hmm. necessarily got on the, uh, you know, we're not as old on the uh, Project Respect Board. Not that I'm being ages here, but Mm -hmm. you've got you've got the wisdom of hundreds of years of collective experience versus us, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the women folk. It's just a different experience. And I mm. like being on those two different boards because yes. the learnings from one transfer into the other. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it's good to be able to take the discipline from Connect Health into Project Respect and vice versa, you know, the energy from one into the other yeah inventory
0: oh. Julia so many interesting stories in there that I think will be very helpful for people to reflect on when they're thinking about culture in the boardroom maybe chairing boards chemistry in the boardroom the different characters yeah. what are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today
1: well if i go back to the start with the butterflies and curiosity Let's just do, you know, do that nice threading of the story through. <laughs> the curiosity is it drives the quality of the conversation. So oh, there's nothing worse than a mechanical meeting, you know, where you're just mechanically going through this, 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 this. It's good to have space to be curious about what does that mean? Mm. And to give people voice to look at or you know, bring their perspective and, and also ask questions like. I want to create an atmosphere where people feel safe to be able to ask well what does that mean and you know mm. especially around financials a lot of people are not strong on financials and they feel intimidated to ask because they assume that everybody else knows it better yes. so we have a rule that um, we may not all know everything as well as each other so let's just ask the questions because that's how we share learning so that's the first thing I think The second thing is um, around growth. So you start at a point, and so Project Respect is growing and changing. But to get growth, you have to have that trust. You have to have the rapport. You don't have to like everybody, but you have Mm -hmm. to have a rapport and and a working relationship. And then the purpose is the North Star that everybody rotates around. Mm. so that helps us check and balance okay is this going to align to our purpose if we chase this funding is this what our client base need go back to the client base ask them you know and then finally I think it's about having respect and being inclusive so hearing the voice of the client hearing the voice of the advisory group all the time yes and respecting their view versus ours and what's interesting is the one thing that we all share in common that would never happen in a mixed or a male board is that everybody's kids come along to the social gatherings, mm. which is lovely. Yes. It's a really nice way to mm. get together and, and and have that common denominator. We always used to joke when uh,
0: the Y women had babies, it's like, oh, here's our youngest member. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cute. yeah so cute is there a resource
1: you would like to share with the take on board community there's a book that i would like to share and um, because i have really enjoyed reading it there's a, a consultant that i know a chap called paul gordon he's the ceo of catalyze and he's written this amazing book i think called hard decisions made easy mm. why i like it is because he talks about how as a leader you have to balance all the multitude of opinions and factors that come into making a decision so it will stick without the decision being made based on who talks the loudest or who's the most dominating in the room. Mm -hmm. And I I actually really love that book because how many times do you go into a meeting and you're you're dominated by the loudest person and the introvert's quiet and nobody remembers to ask and they're sitting there thinking but there's this 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 and this you know Mm. so that book walks its way through a couple of challenges that we all face in making a decision so that balance between those non-financial nuances and then and then numbers to get to the outcome. So I'd recommend that as a read. I'll ask Paul to give me a kickback for the, you know, for the site. <laughs> well, look,
0: we'll we'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah,
1: because it is, uh, you know, it is worth a read. I've I've really enjoyed it. So I I think given that we're talking about boards and decision making, yeah. yeah,
0: hard decisions made easy. Yeah, that's. Can't go past that. Yeah, that's why I
1: I I, um, I I thought. Well, that's actually a really good resource to have.
0: Mm. Fantastic. Oh well, thank you so much for joining us here on the Take On Board podcast. I think the reflections and the stories that you've shared will be of incredible value to people. So, yeah, thank you for joining us here today. Oh, thank you, Helen. It's been such a fun day.
1: It's been great meeting you again and, um, and thanks for, you know, the opportunity to share my little insights.
0: So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd really love it if you could also do some of the other podcast things. Share with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And... Well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.